Oh, why don't you praise him right now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I love your goodness, Lord. I love your mercy that I feel in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you have your Bible, stand with me. I'm going to turn to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. It's in moments like these and services like this that I'm reminded of the old story, and you've probably heard it before. The preacher that showed up at church and nobody came but one old farmer. And the preacher said, well, I don't, don't rightly know if I should preach or not. And the old farmer said, well, he said, sir, I'm just going to tell you like this. If I go down to the pasture to feed the cows and only one cow shows up, I go ahead and feed so pastor, greatly encouraged in the Holy Ghost, got up in the pulpit and he began to preach. And oh, did he feel the anointing of God and he preached and he preached and he preached and he preached some more. Hour and a half later, he finally gave an altar call and, and they closed out the service. And afterwards, the old farmer came up to him and told him, he said, I didn't tell you the rest of that story. He said, if, if I go to the pasture and feed... And only one cow shows up. I sure don't feed them the whole load. Amen. So I'm going to do my best this afternoon recognizing that uh, there are just two or three or really more than two or three. But it seems like there's just a few of us here this afternoon. I'm going to do my best to deliver to you what the word of God, what I feel like God has laid on my heart. I believe I have a word for somebody in this room today. Amen. I believe I have a word for you. Amen. Put your finger right here and say, God wants to talk to me today. But I do my best not to belabor the point. If you go with me to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, it says this. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. I just want to preach for a few moments on this simple subject. Cast your cares on him. Why don't you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I love you. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I thank you for the great grace of God. And Lord, as we get ready to move into the most important part of this service, I'm asking, Lord, you allow the anointing of the Holy Ghost that I have felt throughout the worship, Lord, begin to move and minister in a fresh way in this place right now. I'm asking, God, you let the Word of God speak in our hearts. Let it touch us and let it change us and let it challenge us in this place today not to go home the way we came. In Jesus' name, would you say amen? Amen. You may be seated. When Peter takes pen in hand to write to the church and tell us to cast our cares or give our cares to the Lord, he uses a word that is rarely used in the Greek New Testament. It's a word that actually means something like to, to throw something forcefully away. It has a much stronger connotation than the word that is normally used. It is a word that rises from his previous occupation as a fisherman. Amen? Fishermen know what the word cast means. And, and, to, and, and Peter, and in his day, uh, it, was, it meant even more then than maybe it does today. If you'd imagine with me for a moment, you're Peter. 
and you're out on a boat floating on a vast body of water, and your method of fishing is not a rod and reel. It's not a simple, you know, rear back and, and cast and let it go. Your method of fishing is instead this tangled, twisted mass called a net. It's a heavy thing. It's a difficult thing. It's, it's hard to handle. It's a job just to lift that waterlogged thing up. Uh, it's, it's difficult to manhandle it. Uh, but no matter how difficult it is, there's only one way to catch dinner. Amen. There's only one way to make a living if you're a fisherman. Uh, you've got to pick that thing up uh, and you've got to cast it into the sea. And and that's the word that he uses here. Uh, you take that, that heavy, soggy, burdensome thing, uh, that thing that's difficult to pick up, uh, and when you get it up uh, with all the strength that you possess, uh, with everything that is within you, uh, you throw it as far as you can. That's the word Peter uses. And what a powerful image it creates. He issues an invitation from heaven to you and to me to cast our cares on the Lord using the strongest possible language. Throw away all of your cares. Cast them as far as you can with everything that you have, uh, with all of your strength, uh, with all of your ability. Uh, amen. Remove them from yourself and cast them into the deep ocean of his grace and provision. That's the sweet release of trusting in the Lord. But I want to take a moment, and I know I'm in a very familiar passage, and I, I understand that you've heard this before, but I want to take a moment and examine what it is that we are invited to throw away. What is it that we're invited to get rid of? Let me, first of all, tell you what it does not say. Peter did not say, cast away your troubles. Because trouble is not so easily removed from your life. If we could, we would pick up that heavy burden and we would throw it as far as we can. But the truth is you're always going to have troubles. There's always going to be difficulty. There are always going to be situations that arise that are, that are, that are difficult to go through, that, that come up against you, uh, that cause you to struggle from time to time. You're always going to have adversity. You're always going to have trouble. Amen? Job 14 and 1 says, Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. What he said is life is short and it's got a lot of trouble in it. Amen. We go through a lot of things and it's always going to be that way. That's the nature of humanity. That's the nature of living. There will always be difficulty. There will always be trials to endure. There will always be giants that have to be overcome. There will always be valleys that have to be walked through. There will always be promised lands that must be conquered. Uh, there will always be an enemy that will rise up against you. Trouble will always be a part of the fabric of your life. You're never going to escape it. You're never going to get away from it. You're never going to find a place where there isn't trouble. Amen. Because adversity is how you grow. Amen. 
It may not always be comfortable, but it is the fire that refines the gold. It's the pressure and the heat of the fire that purifies. Amen. And that's what the Lord does with you and with with me. He causes us to grow in the fire. He causes us to grow through adversity. Amen. It's the opposition that strengthens our faith. It's the opposition that strengthens our resolve. It's going through the difficult place where we learn that we can trust him. It's in the darkness of the midnight hour that we learn that when we lift our voice to him, he's a very present help in time of trouble. Amen. You wouldn't know that if you didn't go through the trouble. You wouldn't understand that if you hadn't walked through the valley. That because you've been there and because you've experienced it, your faith is strong. And you can say, I know that I know he'll never abandon me. He'll never forsake me. He's never going to leave me on my own. Whatever I go through, he's going to go through it with me. Whatever I face, I'm never going to face it by myself. If If Scripture teaches us anything, it teaches us that trouble and adversity serve the purpose of God uh, in our lives. Uh, It's not always easy. Uh, It's not always comfortable. We don't always want to embrace it. Uh, Amen. But God uses trouble uh, to grow us. Uh, He uses adversity to strengthen us. Uh, He puts us in difficult places uh, so his grace uh, and his mercy can shine through us. Amen. We benefit and those around us benefit from the trouble we go through. I said it uh, Tuesday afternoon at the nursing home. I'm going to say it again here. Amen. God sometimes will put you in places that are not for you. They're for somebody who's watching you. And you'll question the Lord and say, why me? Why here? Why now? Why do I have to go through this? Why do I have to endure this? Why do I have to walk this lonely road? Uh, Amen. And and God won't give you an explanation. He doesn't owe you understanding. You owe him your trust. But I can tell you, sometimes he puts you in that place for the benefit of somebody else who's watching you who's looking on, who's seeing the goodness of God displayed in your life, who's seeing the grace of God with how you handle yourself in trouble and adversity. So Peter does not say, cast off your troubles. He doesn't say, get get rid of the adversity. Instead, he says, cast off your care. Care is not trouble. Care is what trouble produces in your life. It's the worry that haunts your mind. It's the stress that keeps you awake at night. Care is the fear and the doubt that that torments your soul. Uh, It's a thing that gets down on the inside uh, and eats you from the inside out. Uh, In many ways, care is worse than trouble. Uh, Care is worse than adversity. It's worse than the difficulty. It becomes debilitating. It can harm you both physically and emotionally. Uh, Amen. Stress and worry have that unique ability to absolutely consume our minds, uh, to consume our waking moments, uh, to wake us up in the middle of the night and consume the time uh, when we ought to be resting. uh, And if we're not careful, we become so overcome by care 
that we become like the psalmist who said in Psalm 83, 88 and 3, for my soul is full of troubles. My, it just feels like everywhere I turn, and ever, I can't get away from it. It's got me wrapped up. It's got me bound up. I want you to understand trouble has a way of wearing on your soul. Trouble has a way of wearying you from the inside out with worry and stress and anxiety. That's the care that Peter's talking about. That's the concern and the worry that, that robs you of your confidence, that still away your joy that takes away your strength that's the worry that we're talking about the care that weighs heavy on the heart Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 5 says heaviness in the heart of a man maketh it stoop amen you know what I'm talking about you get that heavy load on your shoulders and you got to kind of bend over to carry it you got to kind of change your center of gravity amen that's what the scripture said heaviness in the heart of a man makes him walk with a stoop amen it bends you over it presents a burden that wears you down in many ways the care is worse than the trouble amen Amen? in many ways it's the stress and the anxiety that's worse than the the opposition that comes against you it burns us it wears us down it, it, it costs us uh, hours of rest and peace because we can't we can't rest and we we can't even lay our head on a pillow at night uh, and find the sweet refuge of sleep uh, because our mind is dealing with the circumstance uh, and worrying about solutions of things that we can't fix. Uh, amen. And concentrating on things that are out of our hands uh, and we, we 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 can't get away from it. We can't stop thinking about it uh, and the stress and the anxiety weighs us down. There was a businessman once who drew up what he called a worry chart. And in that chart, he kept a record of everything that he worried about. And at the end of his little experiment, he tallied it all up and he put it in different categories. And this is what he decided. 40% of what he worried about were things that never happened. 40% of the time that he worried, he's worried about something that would never come to pass. 30% of the time that he worried about things, he worried about things that had already happened that he couldn't change. So he spent 30% of the time that he worried, worried about something that had already been done that he could not undo. He spent 12% of his time that he worried, worrying about what other people were going to think or what other people were going to say or how other people were going to criticize him. He spent 10% of his time worrying about his health and uh, problems that never materialized. And at the end of the day, he decided that he only spent 8% of the time that he spent worrying, actually worrying about something that was legitimate to worry about. That's the way worry is. That's the way anxiety is. Inevitably, we worry about things that never come to pass. Inevitably, we create uh, things that, that will never, ever happen. I, I often use the illustration of the child in, ni- in the night who hears that sound that goes bump in the darkness. When you're Madden's age and that sound goes bump in the darkness, the bump in the darkness has a way of becoming something. Amen? It becomes a big, ferocious thing with teeth. 
that crawls out of the closet and comes, uh, you know, stalking across the bedroom. Uh, and, and you can almost hear it growl. And you can almost feel the heat of its breath on your neck. And you got to look around behind you. And that fear and that anxiety becomes something that is never real, that never comes to fruition. All that was was, you know, the broom fell over in the closet. But in your mind, it becomes a big, bad monster, something that's going to consume you. That's the way anxiety is. It worries you. It stresses you over things that may never come to pass or over things that you can't change. Over 70% of his time that he spent worrying, he spent worrying about those two things, things that would never happen and things he could not change. Amen? Amen. But worry will It'll stress you. It'll, the apprehension will, will, will make things seem worse than they actually are. And at the end of the day, it accomplishes absolutely no good in your life. Nothing good ever came from worrying. Amen? Amen. Results in high blood pressure. Uh, what, exhibit A. Uh, I know. It results in all kinds of health difficulties. It results in the weakening of your faith. It results in the weakening of your resolve. Jesus highlighted the uselessness of worry when he said in Luke chapter 12 and verse 25, he asked this question. He said, which of you taking thought, that, that verb taking thought has to do with worrying, anxiety? Which of you through worrying can add to his stature one cubit. What he's saying is, which of you is worried about your height enough to make yourself taller? You, you can't, all you can worry about how short you are all day long. It ain't ever going to add an inch to your stature. Amen? That's why God invites us to cast our cares on him. Because all of our care profits us nothing. All of our worry gets us nowhere. We can worry all we want, but our worry won't change a thing. Amen. Our worry won't add one inch uh, to our stature. Uh, but when we cast our cares on him, uh, when we take the time uh, to find a place in his presence uh, and transfer that heavy burden over to him, uh, amen, he may not take away your trouble. Uh, he may not take away the thing that's causing the care uh, but I can promise you something uh, he'll lift away the burden uh, of the care uh, he'll lift away the burden uh, of the worry and the fear uh, he will lighten your load uh, he'll give you rest uh, if you'll cast your cares on him amen? amen now if you don't hear anything else I'm going to say this morning you need to hear this what worries you does not worry God. Peter invites you to cast your cares on God. He makes it abundantly clear that your cares are not his cares. Now let me clarify. The thing that concerns you doesn't trouble him at all because he already sees the end of from the beginning. You can't see tomorrow. You don't know what tomorrow holds. 
That's what worries you. Amen. You don't know the outcome. If you knew the outcome, it'd be a little different. You don't know how things are going to turn out. You don't know how things are going to work out. You don't know how the situation is going to resolve itself. You don't know how it's going to impact those that are around you. You don't know, and so you worry. But I come to tell you in this house, amen, he knows the end from the beginning. He knows the outcome before it ever starts. He knows what's going to transpire. He knows what's going to come to pass. And the one that watches over you, the one that's got his hand on you, the one that's ordering your footsteps, amen, he has no trepidation or fear about the circumstance that has come upon you. He already knows. He brought you to it. He's going to bring you through it. Uh, He already knows. uh, Amen. He let it come into your life, uh, and he's got a way. Uh, He's already made a way. Uh, Before you ever got there, he made a way. Amen. Not just a way around it, uh, not just a way past it, uh, but sometimes he's made a way through it. Uh, You may go through the trouble. Uh, You may go through the circumstance. Uh, You may go through the situation, but he knows what's on the other side. He knows what plans he has for you. He knows what his divine purpose and will is for your life. Uh, Amen. He's got a plan, uh, and he knows uh, how he's going to bring it to pass. Uh, Amen. Before you were ever born, uh, while you were still in your mother's womb, uh, he told the prophet, I called you, I ordained you, uh, I set a path before you. Uh, Amen. You haven't had anything happen in your life uh, that's taken God by surprise. Amen. You haven't come in any situation that he wasn't already aware of. He's got a plan for you, uh, and he knows that your present trouble uh, cannot uh, and will not uh, change that plan. Amen. Uh, Jeremiah, the prophet, said in Jeremiah 29 and 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Uh, I want to tell somebody in this place, God doesn't worry about how it's going to turn out. Amen. Because he knows the expected end that he has for you. He knows that even if your worst fear were to come true, uh, even if all of, uh, of the things that you have dreaded might happen were to actually happen, uh, all of your worry and your anxiety and your fear will have profited you nothing. Uh, but in the end, he's going to be there with you. Uh, amen. He's going to sustain you. He's going to keep you. Uh, he's going to provide for you. Uh, he's going to bring you through. Amen. Amen. God doesn't care about your trouble because he cares about you. That's what he cares about. You see, there's a difference between your care and God's care. His care is not worry. He doesn't worry about you in the same way that you worry about your trouble. 
He doesn't worry about the circumstance uh, the way you worry about the circumstance. Uh, and he doesn't worry about you, uh, amen, in that same sense. Uh, amen. He cares about you in the sense that he knows uh, that he'll sustain you. Uh, he cares about you in the sense that he knows that he has a plan for you and he wants to bring you into it. Uh, amen. He doesn't worry about you in the same way that you get all worked up and worried about whether or not you're going to make it through. He already knows the plan. He already knows the end from the beginning. He already knows that he can sustain you. He can keep you. He can deliver you. He can bring his grace to pass in your life. He knows the outcome. He knows he'll make it all work together for good. He knows that his plan for your life is the best thing for your life. Amen. He doesn't care for you in the sense of worry. He cares for you in the sense that he is emotionally invested in the outcome. He cares if you make it. He cares if you keep the faith. He cares if you sustain your joy. He cares uh, if you're able to live victoriously. He cares uh, if you're going to overcome uh, the situation. Uh, his care for you uh, extends beyond this life. Uh, his care for you extends beyond this moment. Uh, his care for you extends beyond your current circumstance. Uh, his care for you looks ahead to eternity. He cares uh, that you make heaven your home. Amen? Our worries and our anxieties and our fears and our doubts are wholly consumed with the here and now, with what's going on right here around us. But he's looking beyond this life. He has eternity in view. Calvary and the cross, and next month we're celebrating the cross all month long. Our theme next month, I am redeemed. Amen. But I want you to know redemption and the cross uh, is all about eternity. It's all about heaven. Uh, it's all about being with him. Uh, it's all about making it and overcoming this life. Uh, God is invested in making sure uh, that you make it to that heavenly city. Uh, God is invested in making sure uh, that you overcome this life uh, with all of its toll and care and because he cares he will sustain you because he cares he will keep you because he cares he will provide for you psalm 46 and verse 1 said god is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble therefore will not we fear though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea though the waters thereof roar and be troubled though the mountains shake with swelling thereof god is my refuge he's a present help i will not be afraid regardless of how things turn out Regardless of what happens in your present circumstance, regardless of what this life brings you, he who cares for you will take care of you. Amen. Amen. He who watches over you will provide for you. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 10 said it this way. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. He's your strength. 
He's your joy. He's your confidence. He will sustain you. He will keep you. He will provide for you. Amen. He invites you in this house on a Sunday afternoon to cast your cares upon him, to exchange your worry for his provision, to exchange your stress and your anxiety for the confidence that he cares about you, that he's watching over you, that he's going to keep you. Amen. Matthew 6 and 26 says this, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? You matter more to him. Come on, he clothes the lily in the valley, but you matter more. He watches over the sparrow, but you matter more. He holds the universe together, but you matter more. He sustains all things that are, but you matter more. He tells the rain when to come. He tells the tide where to stop, but you matter more. He holds the sun in the sky and the moon in its orbit, but you matter more. I come to tell someone in this house on a Sunday afternoon, I've got a word from heaven. God cares about you. He knows where you are. He knows what you're going through, and he invites you in this place on a Sunday afternoon to cast your care on him because you matter more to him than the earth that he sustains you matter more to him than nature that's around you that he watches over and he keeps amen the lily doesn't toil and the lily doesn't worry and the lily doesn't work but it's clothed in the greatest most beautiful finery that you can imagine amen the sparrow doesn't till the field it doesn't plant the seed but it never wants for food because God watches over it And he that cares for the lily and he that cares for the sparrow, he cares for you. Would you stand with me, Brother Ryan, if you'd come. Dwight Moody used to say that on your journey to heaven, you can either travel first class or second class. Now, second class is never as comfortable as first class. It's the least costly way to travel, and it'll get you to where you're going, but it'll get you there with the bare necessities. I can tell you from experience, I've flown coach a lot of times. I've flown coach in transatlantic flights, and I've flown coach in trans-Pacific flights, and I can tell you right now, when you're going over that long ocean, uh, amen, where the horizon just, it gets to where both ways, all there is is water on the horizon, amen, where you, you can't you can't tell where, the, where you came from and where you're going, and it's going to be a long, long time before you get there. I can tell you that it is cramped, and it is crowded in second place, in second class. I mean, you can do it. You can make that journey, but it's not as comfortable as first class. In first class, the seats are larger. In first class, there's more leg room, amen? In first class, there's more room to spread out and get comfortable and make the journey a little bit easier to bear. Second class will get you where you're going, but it's certainly not the best way to get there. Moody defined second class travel this way. 
He said, when you're traveling to heaven in second class, you say this, when I'm afraid, I'll trust the Lord. While I worry, I'll trust in God. I'm going to be stressed out, but in my stress, I'll put my trust in God. That's certainly one way to live your life. Indeed, that seems to be the way that comes most naturally to us. I'm going I'm to worry, but in my worry, I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to stress, and I'm going to try to work it out, and I'm going to grapple with it in my mind, and in all of that, I'm going I'm to do my best to trust in the Lord. But Moody defined first-class travel in the context of Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 2, which says this, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. This is the better way to travel. I'll cast my cares. I'll cast my worries. I'll cast my anxieties. I'll cast my fears on Him. I can trust Him because He cares about me. I can trust Him because He cares that I make it. I can trust Him because what worries me doesn't worry Him. I can trust Him because the thing that I care so much about, amen, that's not what occupies His attention. He's not caring about that. He's caring about me. Amen. He's got His eye on me. He's watching over me. He knows what's on the other side of the valley. He knows what's on the other side of the storm. He knows how He's going to bring me through it. He doesn't care about that. He cares about me. George Mueller said it this way. The beginning of anxiety is the ending of faith. And the beginning of faith is the end of anxiety. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost this afternoon. I feel the presence of God moving through this place. I have an invitation from heaven. Come, cast your cares on him. Come, cast your cares on the one who cares about you. My yoke is easy, the Lord cries. My burden is light. Come, cast your cares on me and find rest for your weary soul. The question today is simple. How are you going to travel when you leave this place? Are you going second class? Or will you go first class? It costs you nothing to travel second class. You can keep your cares to yourself and you can walk out of this place. And you can grapple with the worry and the stress and the anxiety. You can do your best to trust in the Lord. But the truth is it's going to cost you more than you ever imagined. Or you can travel first class. You can lift your voice to heaven. You can come into his presence. You can lay down your burdens. You can lay down your fears. You can lay down your anxiety. And you can walk in the confidence
I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know I can trust the one who's holding tomorrow in his hands. Come on, I don't know what life's going to bring. I don't know how it's all going to turn out. I don't know how it's all going to come together. But I know I can trust the one who cares about me. I can trust the one who cares about me. Oh, would you lift your voice to him? I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost right now. There's strength in this place. There's joy in this place. There's encouragement in this place. Amen. There's that calm confidence that comes from knowing that he's walking with you, that he's carrying you through, that he will deliver you no matter what you encounter, no matter what you come up against. He's going to provide for you. Amen. There's a confidence that comes from knowing he doesn't care about my trouble. He cares about me. He's not worried about what I'm going through, but he's invested in making sure I make it through. Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Why don't you call out to him right now?